Welcome to TSO Consulting Group's DEI podcast series, Why Is It So Hard? Shining Through the Shadow of Resistance. I'm Dr. Tanya Breland. And I am Erica Lee. We're back. We are back, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. We love the fact that you tune in to our podcast. We're very grateful for you. And we hope that you're learning things each time you join us. Or if this is your first time, welcome. Welcome. I'm Tanya Breland. And I'm Erica Leek. And this is our podcast, Why Is It So Hard? Shining Through the Shadows of Resistance. Mm -hmm. And in this podcast, we really take a look at those things that prevent us from being socially just and, and free from having the society that we want. And so... In this podcast, we really just sort of challenge each other and you to be the change you want to see. So thank you for joining us. Today, our topic is racial stress and trauma. Yeah. So we're smiling now, but quite honestly, this is not a topic to smile about. It's a pretty heavy um, topic. It's a heavy topic. It's not one that we take lightly. Um, and there's a lot to talk about that we will not be able to cover in, in 30 yeah. minutes. It's just not possible. Um, you know, and when we think about racial stress, you know, we can talk about it from just our own experiences and the experiences yeah. of our family, yeah. um, families and, you know, um, what it has been like um, just kind of living in our skin. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not that's not always easy. I mean, we've had some great experiences, but we've had some really challenging ones too. Absolutely. And not yeah. only, of course, us, but others who share our, our racial and our, our cultural background. Yeah. Um, it, a lot of times you just carry things around with you because if you address everything, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's just not possible. And It'll, it's exhausting. It, it, is, it is exhausting. But yeah. we, we want to talk about that because... I think sometimes in spaces where, you know, there are African-American people and we talk race, um, we do talk about the exhaustion, but very often we don't really zero in on the stress and the trauma right. of um, just sort of some of the, the context around race, some of the comments and some of the, um, the, the, the situations that we, that we find or, or that others kind of create. Um, and, and we have to endure, yeah. quite frankly. I, I want to share um, a story um, about my own grandfather. So my grandfather, who passed away in 95, um, was the son of an enslaved um, man. And they, um, he was born in Mississippi. Um, that's where his father was enslaved. And they moved to Chicago when he was a little boy. Whenever we as young children would ask my grandfather about his childhood, he would shut down. Mm -hmm. He would not talk about it. Um, and he refused to ever step foot in Mississippi ever in his lifetime. That's trauma. That's trauma. That's trauma. And... <clears throat> And I remember in high school when um, one of my classmates, who happened to be white, liked me 
and gave me flowers for Valentine's <laughs> Day, um, my grandfather was triggered by that. And I remember him saying, you know, that there's only one thing that that boy wants from you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Grandpa, you know what you're talking about. He doesn't care about me like that, you know. And as a kid, I didn't understand what my grandfather was talking about was his trauma yeah. as a black man mm-hmm. and the experiences that he had as, um, as a black boy and the experiences that his um, siblings may have had. Um, and, and to add to that story, I recently learned from my own father about my grandfather's oldest brother. So when his father passed away, the oldest brother kind of took on the role of, of patriarch um, in the family and helped raise him. And that older brother was actually sent to Chicago mm. um, before the family joined him in Chicago because of something that occurred. I don't know what that something was in Mississippi that he was going to lose his life mm. if he didn't leave. Yeah. Um, and then my grandfather's younger sister, who lived um, above him, they, my grandparents owned a three-family home, and we would you know, go and see her, and we called her Aunt Sis, and um, Aunt Sis would tell us these stories. They were not developmentally appropriate, <laughs> just to be honest, sadly, but Aunt Sis didn't have children um, and would not necessarily know that, you know, you don't tell little kids the story, but um, she talked about um, having been raped mm. by white men as a young woman. Um, <clears throat> and as a little girl, I didn't really know what rape was, mm-hmm. but I knew it was bad. Yeah. So whatever it was, it was really, really mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really know exactly what that meant until I was old enough to really know what it meant. Um, and that's trauma. That's trauma. That's trauma. trauma. And I think we most or many African-American families have those kinds of stories mm-hmm. for particularly the older <clears throat> you know, generation, those who, you know, my family too came up, um, they were part of the Great Migration and, mm-hmm. and they came up because of the, um, uh, the trauma um, that they experienced in the South. And so a lot of us have those kinds of really harrowing, um, triggering stories around racial, racial trauma. And we just want to talk about that today because, first of all, those stories did not stop with the Great Migration. Right. So just because, you know, a group, the, the, the group of African Americans that did um, come to the North en masse um, during the period of the Great Migration, um, it didn't stop. The racial trauma didn't mm-hmm. stop just because they were they were in the north, mm-hmm. and in fact, it carried on to the next generation and the next generation, um, <coughs> and even you know into ours. And and, and our kids experience <laughs> racial trauma. So mm-hmm. you know, um, not overtly in the way that their their ancestors did, but they but but they still experience it, and and so do we. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when we're talking about racial stress and trauma, you know, um, another term that we see used is racial battle fatigue, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. that's the term, all of it really speaks to 
the the psychological and the emotional stress like and and i i almost feel like stress is almost a an understatement yeah it's in, not in a strong ways. enough word it's not yeah but it's the psychological and it's the emotional stress experience trauma it's trauma mm -hmm. it's trauma experienced by individuals in a marginalized racial or ethnic group mm -hmm. so though african americans are not the only group that have experienced discrimination ongoing discrimination mm -hmm. um, certainly in this country um, ours is a group that has i think endured um, it severely um, through policy and laws right that mm -hmm. actually justified and allowed a lot of this this mm -hmm. trauma mm -hmm. and and this stress um, it targeted we were targeted in a lot of um, respects, we've talked about redlining previously, mm -hmm. you know, um, and we all know, at least I think we do, about, you know, Jim Crow and, and those kinds of things. But, but outside of the South and Jim Crow, there are still these ongoing kinds of um, um, strategies <clears throat> that would marginalize people mm -hmm. and kind of keep them in these spaces where they continue to experience racial stress and trauma. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, this, this history um, is being banned in some states, yeah. in some schools. Mm -hmm. So students aren't even, you know, allowed to learn, to learn about, about this um, that may help develop, yeah. you know, um, empathy um, and understanding about why um, there's so much inequity in our society. Yeah. Right. Um, and sadly, there are people currently, you know, who are lobbying against any kind of instruction in schools related to race or any, you know, racial experiences. Um, and what that does is it further traumatizes, yeah. you know, the next generation yep. because it, it's, it, there's, it, there seems to be an erasure of sorts. Yes, that's right. Um, you know, and it's, it's what happened to you know, enslaved people when they were brought here, you know, there was an erasure of their culture, an erasure of their identity. Yeah. Um, they were given new names and, you know, told that they were not allowed to, you know, um, um, live in, in ways that they may have known, you know, um, and their culture was very much, you know, minimized and diminished and devalued and, um, and erased from many of them and that they were told that they need to now act like, you know, they're enslavers. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this history is steep and um, very traumatic. Um, and now there's a generation of legislators who are saying, we can't have this conversation about this in school. Um, thereby saying any kind of conversation around mm -hmm. race, mm -hmm. thereby saying that the students who are students, who racialized students are not valued. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> you know, so everything that, you know, you, the way that you characterize it so, so wonderfully, really, it's really about the erasure, right? Yeah. So, so I'm a student I'm an African-American student, you know, and I live in a community or I'm living in an environment or I'm going to school in an environment where, you know, I still am subject to 
you know, microaggressions mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. insults mm -hmm. or slurs. Mm -hmm. And because if I'm, you know, if I'm not taught the history, if I don't know that this is sort of the latest iteration of a long line of injustices and unfair treatment, then how do I consider that? And so we add more stress and more trauma by not giving kids the information and the language to understand like what's happening here. Right. 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 So when I, you know, in, in my in my high school, we actually had a black history program, but I had been taught a lot of that through like church and my parents and in my community. There was a lot of conversation around black history. And I and I had and I even remember do you remember the McDonald's. Um, McDonald's had like a black history series or something. I don't remember they had that. Books no. And, yeah, they had, I remember that. Wow. Like, I remember kind of growing up in that time where there was a, there, the information was readily available. And because of that, when there were injustices that mm -hmm. happened to me or around me, I understood how to consider it. Hmm. You know, it didn't make me super revolutionary, but it did make me kind of savvy when it came to um, understanding discrimination, mm -hmm. understanding slights, mm -hmm. and understanding how um, my racial, you know, background is um, considered or not considered, um, and and why. And so I think that you know we actually provide, you know, some. Um, we just provide. We just do a disservice to our kids when they are not allowed to learn the learn their history um, and the history of other groups that are marginalized, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But when they're not allowed to learn their history, so that when something comes, because you know, you know, you know the phrase: if you don't learn your history, you're doomed to repeat it. So if I don't learn my history, this is going to come around again, and I'm not going to know what to do with it, or how to consider it, mm -hmm. or even how to take take action. But I want to go back to this idea of the psychological and the emotional stress. Yeah. Because yeah. I think the other piece of that is, you know, um, this happens frequently. Like yes. we are still in spaces where we understand that um, a lot of what we say and, you know, and, and, and the information that we provide, which is, you know, not sort of coming out of our heads, right? This is researched, well-researched, um, evidence-based information that we provide to groups around racial stress and trauma and cultural, you know, um, equity and, and cultural responsiveness and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and all of those. We understand very often that it is not received very well mm -hmm. because of the package mm -hmm. that, you know, in, in which it comes. So two African American women talking to you know, large groups of people who are not African-American and maybe not even women, but, you know, we know that maybe they are women, but we know that it's not received well because in this country, there's still something about, mm -hmm. you know, um, um, African-Americans, you know, not being in positions of authority to tell anybody, right, right, right. how they should think or, and, and, and we carry that, we talk a lot of it. One we of do. the strategies we have is, we're able to identify it mm -hmm. and we're able to discuss it until we feel better, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But yeah. imagine kids that, you know, endure these racial, you know, um, these microaggressions or the macroaggressions mm -hmm. and they don't have the language mm -hmm. and they may not have anybody to talk to about 
how they're feeling because you feel it physically. Mm -hmm. I'll speak for myself. I feel mm -hmm. it physically. Yes, yes. There is, there's a stress that happens. So it's not just emotional. Yeah. So, so it creates stress. Yeah. So, you know, you and I are, you know, we're trainers, yeah. you know, and we do this training around racial equity mm -hmm. um, often. And, but there are times that we're in spaces where the resistance is so strong, yeah. um, you know, where we are being challenged, even about what the research says. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's clear that we're not being received. Yes. Um, and what happens physically in my body is I'll feel attention, attention in my shoulders and neck first, yeah. which may, may then, you know, trickle down to the back. Yeah. Um, there may be a clenching that I, you know, like with my, my, in parts of my body, mm -hmm. a tenseness mm -hmm. that I feel in my body. Um, that stress is not healthy. Yeah. And what it does, it actually does something to our brains. Yeah. So what we don't, a few, not just our brains, other parts of our body. So stress can produce more cortisol in mm -hmm. our body. And that cortisol could increase things like, you know, our blood pressure. Mm -hmm. It could increase our weight. Um, it could increase heart disease, um, diabetes. You know, it can have a physical manifestation and create disease in our bodies. Mm -hmm. In our brains, it, it um, enlarges the amygdala. Mm. And so that's the part of the brain that responds you know, to danger, um, fight, flight, or freeze, or, or appease. And that part of the brain can be enlarged, which is not healthy because it puts you in this heightened state of yeah. like, you know, tension and um, anxiety. anxiety. Mm -hmm. Uh, and where we need the frontal cortex of our brain to be much more relaxed and calm. And, you know, we can do things like meditation, you know, 20 minutes a day mm -hmm. that can increase the frontal cortex and actually decrease the amygdala. That, by the way, is a strategy. Um, if you haven't tried it, it really is really important and critical. Mm -hmm. You need to learn about how do you actually go through the process of meditating um, to relax yourself and it can um, decrease the stress that you may feel in your body. But this is not good for you. Right. So now here we are, adults who are trained to have these conversations mm -hmm. and are training others to be able to engage in this conversation. And we feel this stress. Yes. So now imagine what it's like to work in a place day after day. And we've been told in environments where we've gone, we've been told privately mm -hmm. by people of color that, well, I'm not going to be able to speak up, you yeah. know, in this setting right. because I have to work with these I people. I have to work with these people. That's right. <laughs> and I'm dealing with stress on a daily basis around my race yes. and or culture mm -hmm. or even religion, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes their LGBTQ right. status. Right. All of those things. We've had people privately tell mm -hmm. us we can't talk about this with our colleagues because we will be ostracized in some way. And that's in a professional setting. <laughs> where we're supposed to be talking about race, culture, gender, identity. Like, you have the permission here to right. do that. As adults. And as adults. And they're still, they still don't feel safe right. to right. do that. So now let's talk about the kids in classrooms. You know, classrooms where they may be one of a few. Yeah. You know, or one, the only mm -hmm. one in mm -hmm. that classroom. Mm -hmm. What that stress looks like for that kid. As early as kindergarten and pre-K. Yeah. Right? As yeah. early... <laughs> you know, kids know when they're not being treated fairly, 
kids know when somebody doesn't like them. Yes. Kids know when something isn't right. They they're know. intuitive. They know. They're intuitive. Yep. And Very so innate. All of that, you know, that um, reaction that you just talked about, the, the, the reaction to stress. Imagine it happening over your entire lifetime around, you know, racial stressors. Right. You know, right. your entire lifetime. Right. So from pre-K, you know, you're in situations where, you know, there are, you know, these triggers or these events that are happening and you know the unfairness of it. You know, you know that. And mm -hmm. so, or you sense it. Right. Or maybe you don't have you the You may language. not have the language. You may not have right. the language, but you still have those physical reactions yeah. to, to, to trauma. I mean, I've you know. told the story before, and I think this is appropriate to, to mention it again. When I was a second grader, I was, initially there were two black students in the classroom. Um, there was a boy, and he left, you know, at some point early in the school year, and I was the only black child in that classroom, and my teacher was a white woman. Now, I've shared in previous podcasts that I had a kindergarten and first grade teacher who were both black women, and so they were very affirming, um, which they created this love of learning and love of school in me. I go to second grade, I expect the same kind mm -hmm. of experience. Instead, I met with a teacher who is nasty towards me, who um, you know treats me differently and is mean to me, won't call on me when I raise my hand or may say things to me that she doesn't say to my, my peers. And as a seven-year-old, I didn't have the language. Mm. I didn't know what was going on. I just kept feeling like she's treating me differently. And the only thing different about me is the fact that I'm black and my, my classmates are not. Mm. That was mm -hmm. the only thing mm -hmm. that I noticed as a kid. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't just my imagination because when I was an adult, my parents handed me my, you know, childhood mementos mm -hmm. with the box, with the you know, um, second grade report card, and there was nothing positive that that teacher had to say about me. In second grade? In se Wait, I was seven not, years old. How did you not have something positive Right, say, so here I'm feeling know? like, okay, now I understood why my parents spent so much time trying to, to um, help me feel good about my identity mm -hmm. as a black girl, mm -hmm. saying things like black is beautiful, like I heard that as young as four or five, mm -hmm. six years old, yeah. I heard that over and over again. And I was affirmed in that way as a, as a little girl. And so when this teacher is now treating me differently, as a kid, I'm like, this teacher is a problem. Yeah. You yeah. know, like yeah. I was yeah. fortunate to have, you know, the kind of um, support at home that made me realize it's not my issue. Mm -hmm. This is her issue. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have that language sure. back then, but I did not take on what she was, you know, what she was giving. That's great. Um, yeah. However, I never forgot it. So that's mm -hmm. trauma that's right trauma. there. Yes, the fact that I can, here I am 50 something years old and I can recall, you know, very, very like explicitly, yeah. right, mm -hmm. what happened to me as yeah. a seven year old. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that is just like ridiculous. Because what we're talking about is a child's identity. Yeah. So their racial identity is very much a part of who they are. Yeah as individuals, and if it's not affirmed, and if it's not supported, what happens to that kid? Well, there are a lot of signs, right? There are a lot of signs of, you know, racial trauma and, and, and stress, and, you know, sadness is one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, if there is a, a student or, or, or a colleague that, yeah. you know, it's really, you know, sad or 
withdrawn or has you know some anxiety in that learning or that working space it could be a crime, <coughs> particularly if they are members of a marginalized community in mm -hmm. in some way mm -hmm. i think also irritability you know sometimes we sort of um, write off our irritable co-workers mm -hmm. um, we write off those who are withdrawn or isolated but a lot of times there is a reason why they experience, especially if you know that they are not that way in other contexts, yes. right? Yes. Um, or even, you know, like avoidance behavior. So they don't want to participate or they don't, they'd rather not be a part of the group. We talked about belonging mm -hmm. um, in, a, in an earlier um, episode. You know, if you, if you realize that they generally feel like they do not belong to this group, that is one of those, you know, signs that could indicate that, you know, th this individual has undergone some some racial stress or 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 trauma. We were reading an article from Ed Week, and, mm -hmm. and there's a, a a professor out of Stanford University, Farzana Salim, and one of the things she says is that it's important to teach uh, kids and individuals in general about like she called it psychoeducation so teach them about racial trauma like teach them about it so that they know what those signs are so that you know you were talking about the physical um manifestations or the the, the, the way that you feel physically mm -hmm. and you know the deep breathing helps and the, the talking helps but you know like you said we work in this field and so we recognize you know when we're starting to feel stress you know, that, you know, racial stress, mm -hmm. we, we recognize that. Um, but we know that, you know, we need to provide kids with those same strategies. Mm -hmm. We need to provide individuals with those individuals in marginalized communities. We need to provide them with those same strategies mm -hmm. and those same, that same awareness mm -hmm. so that when they start to feel it, they know what it is and they can start combating it, right? That's only a piece of the That's puzzle. That's only a piece of the puzzle. Right. The That's other right. piece is now let's look at the systemic issue yeah. going on here. Yeah. You right. know, that's right. You know, what are we going to do about that issue? Yeah. You know, so that's where we need, you know, voices, um, you know, from adults who are going to stand up and push back against a system that is looking to minimize groups of people and, you know, d diminish them or erase them, right. you know, erase them from the history books, mm -hmm. erase their stories from the yeah, history books, right. you know, erase their stories from being told at all mm -hmm. and from it being a, a topic of conversation um, because, you know, other kids might be uncomfortable. Well, imagine the discomfort that students of color have to endure day after day mm -hmm. after day, month after month, year right. after year, you know, so that they, they, you know, people talk about like the angry black woman mm -hmm. or angry black man. Mm -hmm. What do you think precipitated yeah, that? That's right. What's at the root that's of right. that anger? Mm -hmm. You know, some of it could be because of how society has marginalized them right. and has marginalized their families um, and continue to do so in some spaces. Not and, everywhere. And even that, 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 um, you know, sort of that character of the, or that stereotype of the angry, you know, even that has been sort of like marginalized and yes, minimized, absolutely. right? It's right. not taken seriously. And you're right, that comes from somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, that that anger, but that, you know, um, my one of my brothers called, you know, he refers to it as rage. Like mm -hmm. you just get in this space where you're so 
angry. And, right. and a lot of times it's because you realize that this whole system has conspired to, you know, marginalize or discriminate against, you know, um, people who, you know, you identify with and, you know, racially mm -hmm. or even, you know, in terms of gender or socioeconomic status. Um, so, you know, we started off early saying that this was a pretty heavy conversation and it is, and, and it is, and, and it is but, you know, it, it's a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah. And, you know, we invite you to join in on, on this conversation. You know, we'd like to know, you know, how have you experienced it um, or how have you witnessed it or how have you advocated yes. for someone who you know how have you served as an ally for someone or someone's some group of people that may that you have recognized that have you know experienced racial stress or trauma yeah yeah i think that's really important um you know and, and it's not to say every space is like that. It's yeah, not. Right. But the truth is, if we're experiencing it anywhere, then it's going to impact us. Yeah. And, you know, how can we create a society where this is no longer an issue, yeah. where people don't feel like they have to be marginalized, right. where they have a voice, right. where they are valued, yeah. where they don't have to be erased in some way, right. or don't feel they want to erase themselves that's even, you know, that? to assimilate into to society to be accepted. Right. You know, that's not the kind of life that is, um, you know, the the most fulfilling life to have, where you are, you know, aspiring to be something that you're not That's and your identity right. is not valued. That's right. um, and so we invite you, as, as Erica was saying, we invite you to just kind of give us some feedback on this topic. You know, where do you um, see this happening in either your life or the lives of others? Um, and what are you gonna do about it? That's a really challenging question. It what is. are you going to do about it? So thank you for joining us today. We do hope that this was a topic that at least caused you to have to think, yeah. um, if, if not act. Because um, that, I think, is where we get change, when actions happen. Um, and so we want to encourage you to continue to, to stay with us and to give us your feedback. Again, I'm Tanya. And I'm Erica. And thank you for joining us today.